And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Third and one. Fake pressure comes. Stafford is buried. Ball is out. It's picked up by Dallas. Rumbling for the end zone is Lawrence. He's going to get there for the touchdown. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. 22 to 10 is the final Cowboys win again. Of course they win. They've got Cooper Rush. That's just how things go. We're here to break it all down. We've got three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys here on this episode of About Them Cowboys. I am Kent producing. We've got Saad Yusuf from The Athletic. We've got Father John Mashoda reporting live from SoFi Stadium. And of course, from 97.1 The Freak, holding it down in the mornings. Make sure you're tuning in 7 to 11 to The Speakeasy with Kevin KT Turner. He's your host. He's going to lead us through this one, KT. Wow, what a game. Yeah, what a game. And Saad is the soothsayer this week, as Saad basically called it on our preview podcast earlier in the week. So I was like, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, the Cowboys sneak it out and people start dacking Cooper Rush debates, even though Cooper Rush doesn't even do that much. Uh, Another weird one and another um, thought that we can tack on to the ledger of, this defense might be the best in the league, and they might be able to win pretty much any game, no matter who's playing quarterback, because of the defense. John is live at SoFi. Your thoughts, my friend? Yeah, I'm really surprised. I did not think that they would be able to win this game with 102 passing yards from Cooper Rush. I thought he'd have to do more than that. Um, one of the things, though, that we were joking around about in the press box, and I just think it's so funny, is as soon as the Rams go and take the lead, they come right back. The Cowboys come right back, and they answer, and that's on that Tony Pollard touchdown run drive. And it just continues with that trend that with Cooper Rush and quarterback, it's been interesting how they've been able to respond in some of these situations where they haven't trailed very much uh, with him as the, as the starter. And when they've trailed, it seems like they are able to answer pretty quickly, even in games where there's not a lot of offense. But there's no question. This game was all about the defense. It was all about their running game, uh, You know, just playing – really how this team was built to be to win with in, in terms of back you go back to 2014 2016 run game win with with good solid defense of course they have not had defense like they have right now i mean this is the best cowboys defense and i mean best since i've covered the team i mean you're gonna have to go back to demarcus Ware and jay ratliff at the very most recent and, it, and it's probably better than that one as well if this group stays healthy uh with 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 the crew that they have right now like you said i mean it they believe right now they're the best defense in the league. I'm sure there's arguments from other teams, but seeing what they did today, and you can say whatever you want about the Rams and how 
yeah, obviously they're missing a lot of pieces from when they went to the, you know, and won the Super Bowl last year, but you still, you got to go out there and you got to do it. And I just did not think that they would be able to execute as well as they did today. And this is one of the bigger Cowboys wins I've seen in a while. And, uh, it's certainly one of the biggest ones that Jerry Jones has seen in a while. You could you could just tell by the way he was, how giddy he was uh, after the game was over. Yeah, and you know, just to build off of John's last point, to me, one of my biggest takeaways from the game was this was kind of Jerry Jones's uh, boasting game. Who are two of the guys that he's talked about so much? I mean, obviously, you talk about the superstars, right? But he's talked about Dor- Dorrance Armstrong, who who had a phenomenal game today. And then Malik Hooker had an interception at the end there as well. So when you talk about Jerry's pet cats over the last few months and, you know, over the last year, this is this was kind of a Jerry Jones validation game in a way. Yeah, I, I felt like this game, it, there are a few things that we talked about too um, leading up to it were, okay, well, the Rams have Cooper Cup, right? So they're going to do that and they're going to go uh, get Cooper Cup the ball and we kind of talked about not letting other guys beat you. Um, it's the first two plays of the game. They get the ball to Cooper Cup, and here we are on third and one, and then here comes the Dorch Armstrong sack, Tank scoops and scores. And it was great to see Tank get to capitalize and, and get a little love, because in this world where him and Micah Park- Parsons are competing, but Dorch Armstrong is trying to make a claim, to, hey, I, y'all need to keep talking about me in that realm as well. I just thought that was like a microcosm of everything that we kind of were talking about about the game. The Rams are going to get the ball to Cooper Cup, but the Cowboys defense, will they get enough pass rush? The first three plays of the game just kind of proved proved everything that we were talking about. It's it's wild to me that you give up that long touchdown pass or long touchdown play to Cooper Cup, and you think that that's going to kind of change everything. And at that moment, if I sat there and I told you, I go, oh, they're not going to score another touchdown the rest of the game, and the Cowboys are going to be able to keep it together in terms of only allowing one touchdown per game defensively, there's no way you would have believed it at that moment. Because they're, yeah, what, were the Rams moving up and down the field with ease? No, but they were hitting big plays, the, the deep ball to uh, Atwell. There were just things there where you're like, okay, this game, the Cowboys can win it, but it's it's not going to be that low scoring of a game. And, and then lo and behold, they're able to get away with that. And I'm glad you mentioned Dorrance Armstrong because obviously his heavy lifting was done early in the game. That 9-3 lead, I tweeted it when it happened. It was 9-3. It was 9 Dorrance Armstrong Rams 3. I mean, that was such a huge way to start the game to get that block punt and then to obviously get the sack fumble. Uh, I mean, it's funny. I retweeted Stephen Jones's comments from after they let Randy Gregory go, and, they, and he was talking about how, you know, Dorrance put up similar stats when he played, and I know everyone rolled their eyes, myself included, but He's played pretty damn well. With that being said, though, it also makes me wonder what would a healthy Randy Gregory be doing with this defense if he was still here because they're obviously loaded at, on all three levels. I mean, and that's the thing. We just haven't seen it in so long from the Cowboys. And I go back to what Mike McCarthy said during the week, and he's he said it in, pa- in years past that the defense is the thermostat for the team. They regulate the way the game goes, and there's just no question that defense, again, regulated the game today. And I just, it's, I'm just stunned because with a healthy team, with a healthy Dak Prescott, I never thought that they would be four and one after this these first five games, and to and to lose Dak and look the, as bad as they did in the season opener, and then win their next four with Cooper Rush, and two of those wins come against the two teams that played in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, just never would have believed it. it. Obviously, speaks to the parity of this league as well. Yeah, and and I know we're gonna get into more of the game specific stuff here in a second, but I just want to say when when we're giving out credit. Um, Micah Parsons deserves a lot, but the coaching staff, uh, like 
Dan Quinn, the job that he's doing, I, I know he has the horses. I know he has them. But, but you know, like Micah gets hurt. And then you see Micah and Demarcus Lawrence lining up together. And you saw this chess match both ways, right? Like you saw Aaron Donald lining up against Tyler Smith. And you and just kind of the way that they, they're playing that um, the entire chess match. I think Dan Quinn deserves a lot of credit. Mike McCarthy deserves a lot of credit because Mike McCarthy uh, could have an ego about all this. He's a Super Bowl champion head coach. Um, he could have an ego about Dan Quinn even being on the staff, let alone giving him uh, full you know, control of what he wants to do defensively. I know Mike McCarthy's the offensive guy anyways, but um, you know, Mike McCarthy, but especially Dan Quinn. Um, you know, I, I kind of tweeted just as a joke, D, DQ, that's what we like about Texas. Like that, it, it's Dan Quinn. Like, I mean, you know, I, I, Micah, like it's crazy because Micah is hurt right now as well. And the way that he's playing, I think you're going to have to have some of that more, um, uh, you know, coaching acumen of like how you play him, what downs you play him, what positions you play him, how far out on the line you play him. All these different things you're going to have to kind of, you know, be really smart about. And I think Dan Quinn's doing a phenomenal job. You know, that third and five where or he was uh, the first, I guess it was the first defensive series of the second half. We're talking about Micah's, you know, riding the bike and they run him in there on third and five, clearly not 100%. And he's standing next to Demarcus Lawrence. And Stafford kind of rolled that way towards them. And I was like, roll the other way. Don't roll towards Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. But the, the the number of options that the Cowboys have defensively, if someone were to get hurt too, to get through it, I mean, that's something that's going to pop up eventually. And uh, I think they've done a really good job. Now, <laughs> oh, cough. Um, one thing it was, so it was, um, so, well, let's talk special teams for a minute, John, because the Dorch Armstrong block punt, incredible again, right? Just slamming through the A-gap. Man, I don't know if the, if Matt Overton should get credit for a bad snap because it was a good snap. He just snapped it at the wrong time. And then, of course, the Riley Dixon uh, pass for a first down, shades of Johnny Hecker. Kind of a crazy up-and-down day. I also thought the Turpin uh, punt return to get the ball to midfield was pretty good as well. So up-and-down roller coaster day for special teams. And anger as well again. Oh, the anger. Yeah, he had a shorty. Yeah. I'll say this about that Rams fake punt throw. For that to happen when it did right before the half like that, I mean, I don't know what Mike McCarthy told the team at, uh, at halftime, but I would have been totally playing up that this is the defending Super Bowl champs playing in their building, and they're trying stuff like that. That's how scared they are of, of their ability to be able to score touchdowns on you guys right now. So just keep doing what you're doing, and you're going to be fine because let's not act like that was some just perfectly executed play that was just wide open, and you're just, oh, of course you can run that there. I mean – that had to be a pretty precise throw. If that thing backfires, you're you're absolutely giving the Cowboys at least three points right there, uh, if not more, right before half. That would have been a disaster for them. But it was interesting that they even tried that in that situation uh, against you know uh, a guy in, in, in John Fossil who would love to run plays like that. But I think that the team is so good on defense that Mike McCarthy probably vetoes many of those uh, thoughts that he has. And you know, I, anger can make that throw. We were just talking about this, man. The, the right timing, the right play, man. You can, it's good. But the, I mean, that didn't lead to anything, you know. For them. Someone tweeted that was the 20, 25 yard lines, the same as that fateful Thanksgiving Day fake punt that the Cowboys tried. And but you're right, <laughs> the, the Rams, the Rams yep. kind of tipped their hand by saying, "Yeah, we kind of know we're not going to be able to score much today." And I thought Kellen Moore should get a little credit for how he called the second half because there was a clear focus on. Let's just kind of keep the clock going a little bit. And I know that is not the most aggressive way to play, 
But this was Cooper Rush's, in my opinion, the most uncomfortable that he looked in a game. Um, and it's a lot. It's it's Jalen Ramsey, and it's uh, it's a uh, you know Aaron Donald and all that stuff. But it, well, there's it was also some drops clear. in there from Gallup and Lamb that you make it makes you wonder sure. what could have got going on some of those possessions because you know I don't know they were on uncharacteristic drops from both those guys that they're going to catch those passes that they dropped nine out of ten times. Yeah, no, I agree, but I think there was something too. Well, if we can go get uh, a couple first downs here and keep the clock moving and take five minutes off the game, the Rams aren't going to be able to score twice on us. You know, and that's kind of where my head ended up going. I felt like the Rams almost, with that fake punt in the first half, almost tipped their head. That's, that was a, it was either ballsy or desperate. I don't know if there's a difference there. Uh, running that fake putt from their own 25 at that point both. in the second quarter. Yeah, I, I agree with Kent. It's both. If it fails, it was desperate. If it, if you make it, it's ballsy. I mean, it's a it's a very result. Or it's like the Saints onside kick in the Super Bowl. It's either desperate. It's desperate if you I don't mean, make it. If, if it's ballsy when you do. And I, I just yeah, feel like they, they don't. They didn't feel like their offense was going to be able to continuously go 70, 80 yards against this Cowboys defense. Be, I mean, let's be honest the way that the schedules kind of played out for the Rams, it hasn't been great for them. They've faced some really good defenses at a time when your quarterback's definitely not healthy and he's playing behind a very bad offensive line, inexperienced, not very talented offensive line. And you're facing these defenses that are just kind of pinning their ears back. So I think Sean McVay knew, Hey, we might be able to hit a couple of home run balls, but we're not going to be able to consistently go up and down the field here. Let's try and maybe, get them by surprise here and get some momentum going into halftime. And it worked. The play you know, obviously worked. But if it doesn't, like I said, that's at least three points for the Cowboys. And, you know, in the way that this defense is playing, every three points you can get is huge. You know, I, I don't know how you guys felt late in the game there when they basically played for the field goal uh, to go up, you know, 20, go up 12, as opposed to going for it on the fourth and one. And, uh, David Hellman, a friend of ours, was in the press box, and he was saying, you know, we were talking about it, and he was talking about how that he felt like they should have go for it, should have went for it, and then you just end the game right there. And I'm just, man, you take three more points, I don't know that they're going to be able to go up and down the field and score two more touchdowns in this game. So I was, I was fine with that there. I was too. It's similar to the argument from last week where it went from 12 to 15 points, and 12 to 15, I think it's clear cut that you go for it. Uh, to me, but that's, you know, we can debate that or whatever. It doesn't matter to me, nine to 12, you're just guaranteeing that you don't let them beat you with a seven and a three. Like what if they score, stop you, get the ball back, kick a field goal and beat you 20 to 19. So the field goal is actually smart there. In my opinion, it is tempting to go for it, you know, and kill their will. Um, and when it comes to, to point differential currently in the NFC, your defending champion, Los Angeles Rams are second to last in the league in point differential. Only the Washington Commanders at minus 38 is worse than them. They're at minus 36. You know, the top seven teams in the NFC from a standing standpoint, they're all teams are positive in point differential. And Cowboys are clearly one of them. The Rams are, they've got bigger problems than I think maybe everyone will realize. And they do not have a good schedule coming up. I mean, they've got two or three very tough games coming up. This is, so, this might just be the beginning of their issues. So if it's not, if we don't feel threatened by the Rams anymore in the NFC, who, who's left? Is the Eagles now? Maybe Bucks if they peak? Well, if you're talking about that's left on their schedule, it's certainly the Eagles. Um, but if we're saying we're fast forwarding all the way to the playoffs, I would say it's Eagles, 
Um, I don't think the 49ers would be a walk in the park. They're going to play kind of a similar game plan as you. Because I think even when Dak comes back, I don't think they're going to be asking Dak to try and throw for 350. And I mean, their game plan is going to be different offensively because you don't have to. It's it's the key thing that they've been doing on offense is really not turning the ball over. You know, with this defense, as long as you don't turn the ball over and you just allow, you know, take what that team is giving you. And you you know, your defense is going to get some takeaways. Just law of averages with what the players they have on the back end, the pressure they're getting up front, they can certainly they can get you in, in position to score enough points to win ball games with how good their defense is playing. But yeah, when I look at the rest of their schedule, if you tell me that Demarcus Lawrence can stay healthy and Micah, who obviously was dealing with the groin, but it wasn't enough for him to, you know, come out of the game. Uh, and then you keep Trayvon Diggs and some of these other key players healthy. I look at the rest of that schedule and you're, and you're just like, I mean, they should be able to win 12, 13 games, you know, uh, yeah. it's crazy, but the schedule just doesn't look as tough as it did when the season started. And Obviously, we can sit there and watch drafts and we can watch free agency and we can watch the players that this team adds. And you can see on paper going into this season, oh, it looks like the Dallas Cowboys have a pretty good defense. But until you actually see it on the field, you don't know for sure. But what we've seen on the field is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and and I think I think the whole argument of where you build from the outside in, inside out, uh, you always inside out is the way to go. Cause because look. Trayvon Diggs had a bad game today. I mean, I, I mean, as a full body of work, had a bad game today, and they still didn't give up any. Didn't give up any. Uh, I mean, the only big, big play they gave up was Trayvon Diggs, and so um, you know, you build from the inside out. I think they've done it the right way. I mean, the way Armstrong Odigizua got a sack, and and Micah and Demarcus Lawrence are what they are. Like, I think their formula for how they've done it is really good as well. I'll say this: the Atwell deep ball. I think that he, I thought that Trayvon was in as good a position as he was when he picked off Wentz right before half uh, the other day, uh, last week. Uh, yeah. And just that ball was perfect. Stafford just threw a perfect pass to, to Atwell. And uh, so I don't really, I mean, it's, it, it goes a big play. And obviously it's going to go against his stats on pro football focus and whatever and things like that. Now, the touchdown to Cooper Cup was also one of those where it reminds you. Yeah, you probably don't want to just have him just shadow Cooper Cup. You know, let's mix it up. Let's throw some different things at it and, and things like that. So uh, they're just Cooper Cup is just, uh, you know, he's just such a beast and, and he's good in so many different aspects of the game. But as we said on the previous podcast going into this game, like we saw today, if you're playing this Rams team, as long as you can keep everything else in check, go let him go for a buck 15 a touchdown. Like if you keep everything else, you know, from going off like their run game, Stop. they're not going to be able to beat you if, if you play as well as the Cowboys have been. Well, yeah, and I, I think a, a, an important part of this defense is um, when they can really start dialing up some things because they know what's going to happen. And Osa had a couple of tackles for a loss. Tristan Hill had a tackle for a loss. I mean, more often than not, the Rams were uh, behind the sticks a lot too. And that makes it real easy for Dan Quinn to start going, okay, well, let's move Micah over here on this one because I know what's going to happen. When it's third and two, you don't necessarily know. When it's third and nine, I know. And there are a few times today where it was third and eight or nine because it was second and 14 because, you know, a couple guys flashed a little bit. So a couple of those defensive tackles made some plays. Anthony Brown even had a big tackle for a loss coming up and making a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, that yeah. is They can't run the, the ball, defense. though. That's a big part of it. The Rams yeah. cannot run the ball. They can't run it against anybody. And so when you shut that down, you make them so one-dimensional with, with the pass rush that the Cowboys have, yeah, that's a nightmare. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you do next week against uh, the Eagles, though? That's when things get interesting because everything we've seen, we've had a lot of uh, quarterbacks that we've played so far, pretty much pocket guys, not going to do a ton. Jalen Hurts is on any given play. He might be running it, and we know it. I saw. I got to see. I don't know if you got to see. You probably didn't, John. The, the end of that Cardinals and Eagles game was fascinating Is Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray are basically running teach into the field. You know, and it was a game where the Cardinals probably should have tied it at the end. Uh, but they uh, they had a bit of a boo-boo with some clock management and things like that. But next week is well, where the defense really gets challenged. It, it does, but I think it gets challenged because it's. I think it's something that they can execute. I just think it's a different challenge because 
you're not going to want to get up field rushing him. You're going to want him to stay in the pocket. You're going to, you're going to want, you can't, when you get beat rushing to him, that's when he creates these big plays, whether it's him running or him extending a play to throw downfield. So you're going to want to keep him in, in the pocket and prevent him from running and make him beat you, uh, throwing it, you know, 30, 40 times, uh, and, and try and get your pass rush from a bunch of different spots because of that. I think that I anticipate Micah playing more linebacker, but I guess it really doesn't matter today because it all comes down to basically, okay, how is, how is his, what, what's the latest with his groin during the week? You know, um, he might be limited. He might be a guy that they might only play on third down situations and things like that. He's obviously playing in the game. There's no question about that. I asked him after this game, I go, was there any thought at halftime that, you know, you might not play in the second half. And he was like, there was absolutely not no thought of that. He was like, I, he did heat, a uh, heating pad. And then he did, uh, uh, he rode the bike for a while and he was like, I'm good enough to come out there and, and, and rush the passer when I need to. And obviously that was enough for, that's all they needed here. So you hope it's not something that lingers, but I don't know. We'll have to manage, you know, keep track of it, um, during the week. Uh, I was going to tell you, we got a chance to talk to Dak briefly. Do you want me to save that for, uh, after we get done talking about the game or do you want me to just share some stuff now? No, or, let's, let's uh, go ahead. Yeah, let's do it now. Yeah. So he, he certainly wasn't saying anything like he expects to play this week or anything like that. He just continued to say that he's day to day, you know, said he can rip the football. He's, you know, he's been doing more and more, uh, swelling's going down. The strength is going up. Um, my big thing from what I've seen him do in practice, I find it hard to believe that all of a sudden he's going to be a full go this week off of how little he did last week. And if we go by what McCarthy's told us, he wants to see Dax as a full go for a full week before he puts him in a game. I just don't see that happening uh, for this week. And frankly, where they're at right now, I, I give him another week, let Dak come back against Detroit or maybe the following week against Chicago. Roll Cooper Rush out there. If if you win, great. It's like today, you, you, you take it and you love it. Um, if not, though, you know, you just move on. And, and you know, you're obviously going to get them later on in, in, in the year. And, and, and these games are obviously huge against Philadelphia, but I, I think you're making a huge mistake if you just rush Dak out there because you're, you're, you're like, we need, we need him now because he can, we'll be able to score more points with him. So, um, you know, it's obviously, you know, I asked him how tough has it been watching these games? And he said that watching the games ain't been bad. It's, it's during the week when he can't be in the game planning stuff. He's got to be, he's working off to the side. He's doing rehab, things like that. Uh, that's been the toughest part for him, but obviously he feels like he's getting closer to coming back. It just, He's not given a definitive date. Jerry Jones isn't given a definitive date. Mike McCarthy's not given a definitive date. And so uh, Dak, I believe, has a, his next doctor's appointment. I think it's Monday. And then they'll probably do another x-ray, see where he's at there. But again, I mean, looking at his hand today, he didn't have that brace on or anything, whether it was in the pregame warm-up or after the game. Didn't look like his hand was, was, was swollen. You can definitely see the scar on the back of it. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like he's getting closer. I just think it's going to be a little too much to ask to expect him to play this week. Well, I tell you, my football mind is like, see what happens next week. Then you get the bears and the lions. <laughs> I'm almost, I'm almost like set him then too. Yeah. Let's get to the bye week. I guess, you know, you, if you win the Eagles game, then let's just keep it rolling. I, no, you I want him to play. You want it's him. It's insane. 
you want him even at 50% to play against that Lions defense. I'll tell you that right now. That's a confidence booster for anyone. Saad can get in there and, and put up 40 against that Lions defense right now. Uh, I thought he was happy. I thought of you, Saad, the other day when I saw that video of uh, Tyreek Hill saying to the reporter, he's like, I'll put up numbers with you. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you saw that or not, because he I was did. basically saying he can put up numbers with any any quarterback. He's like, I'll put up numbers to you, to the, to the reporter. I'm like, Saad will get it out there and throw it to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm joking. I'm joking about the Lions thing. I'm just saying, if you think he's close, yeah. that, that was a great game to put him out there to get his confidence going. Because even with him a little rusty, I think you could put him in the gun uh, and protect that 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 thumb have him throw, you know, 25, 30 times in that game. And I think you'd be fine against, against that Lions team. I guess it's like a, just a pure medical question to the doctor. Like if I played great, but if I waited two weeks, what would there be significant improvement and how much improvement? Because that now you've given yourself leeway as a team to do that. Whereas you might not have been able to do that if you were splitting these games. You can't yeah, do what you want well, now. Right. And the big thing is here, too, is I think a lot of people feel like, well, he's got a plate and screws in, this, in his thumb. You know, you don't want to hit that and then, you know, possibly you have a setback there. Of course, that's part of your worry. But for them right now, the biggest thing is the strength to be able to grip the football. That thumb obviously is so important with the way you spin the ball. You need to have full strength in there. You can't just go out there and just ah, it's 75 percent. Because, yeah, you'll be able to do some short tosses and things in the flat, but you're not going to be able to push the ball down the field. And if you can't do that, defenses are going to know that that, oh, wow, look at this. This guy's not even trying to throw anything beyond 10 yards. You can't throw him out there like that. So it's it's the strength thing. You know, that's what they've been saying for the last week and a half. It's about getting the swelling down and have his, the strength all the way back so that he can make the deep throws. And, and, and you know, like some of the – actually, some of the balls that were dropped today – uh, down the field to CD and then the one to Gallup. He, Dak's got to be able to make those throws. And I don't know that he can do that right now, uh, but I think we'll find out more, you know, this week. But I don't see how he would be a full go this week and then all of a sudden play against the Eagles. That just seems like that's asking for a lot. Uh, Dalton Schultz heard. He was able to come back in. Yeah, he. Oh, he, he know, came he back. Oh, he came back in the second half. He came okay. back in. He came back in for a little bit. Um, he spent a lot of time on the sidelines, you know, running up and down the sidelines, trying to get his knee loose. And, you know, he said a couple of weeks ago, right after the injury happened, it's one of those things where he just wasn't able to plant like he normally can. And like he was saying to us, it was like, you know, I'm not going to go out there if I, if I'm not, you know, helping the team enough, just because I'm, I'm, you know, the starting tight end, I'm not going to basically go out there and when somebody else could be doing like, whether it's Pendershot or Ferguson, who, yeah, they're probably not as talented as Dalton Schultz is right now, but they're healthy. So why wouldn't you put them out there? Uh, they can better execute the job. And so um, I think that it's a concern. Obviously, you want to you have a, a healthy Dalton Schultz. And you, when you heard that the, that the injury was similar to what Zeke had last year, I mean, it's just common sense that you went, well, that's not good because that's not like it's going to be something that just goes away during the bye week. It's something you're going to have to manage probably most of the season. Uh, so that isn't great, but the one positive is that, you know, you've been able to get decent t- tight end play from Hendershot and Ferguson. And then I heard, uh, I saw the video you posted, John, uh, as we get pretty close to wrapping up here. Did Jerry say jewelries? I'm not sure that I've ever heard anyone say jewelries. Yeah, he was trying to make a, I think he was trying to make a connection between the fact that the Rams got jewelry at the end of the season because they won the Super Bowl, and so this was going to be a jewelry game for the Cowboys. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, "Are you getting these guys rings because they beat this Rams team?" Like, I don't know. 
There are a couple of reporters that asked players about it, and they didn't really know after the game either. Mike is like, I don't really know. He said something to us about it, but it, you know, I don't know what he was saying. He was real. He was real juiced up after what's, the game. Man. What's he was, the plural of jewelry? He was jewelry. pumped. After, he was really pumped <laughs> after the game, though. Seriously, I, I mean, right before he went in the locker room, he he talked to us real quick, and it made me think, oh, is this all we're gonna get? We're gonna get Jerry for a minute, and that's. And then he came back out, and he was just, he was pretty giddy. I, I'm trying to think of the last time I've seen him that fired up, and. Uh, I don't know, man. It's been a while, maybe early last season, but uh, you can tell that this win was was a big one for him. And like I said, I mean, you're, you're able during the stretch, you beat both teams that played in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, that's pretty impressive with your backup quarterback. Yeah. Uh, real quick, too. Uh, Tank okay? I know he got uh, kind of an awkward collision near the goal line and didn't come back into the game. Uh, but he seemed to be okay at, at when he was walking off. So yeah, I don't think we're good there. Yeah, I don't think it was anything too serious. Uh, I will say when both players were laying on the on the ground, uh, the Rams offensive lineman and tank, they brought out a stretcher at one point. And so I got people were pretty concerned that somebody had some some significant injury. And then all of a sudden, both of them got up and they seemed to be fine. But yeah, tank walked off on his own. So uh, I wasn't able to talk to him right after the game. Uh, but I know he did talk to reporters and it, I don't know. He seemed to be in a good mood and was really confident with the way the defense played. And it didn't seem like he was down at all from what I was able to hear. So uh, it's, I just, I don't think there's any way he's missing this Eagles game. Let's put it that way. But yeah, maybe he's banged up a little bit. You see any celebrities out there? I mean, just when they showed him on the, you know, the big screen, I mean, Kim Kardashian got booed when they showed her. That was interesting. <laughs> um, uh, let's see who else? Cedric the Entertainer, John was Legend. Was she in? Uh, was she in Jerry's booth? Kim? Uh, you know, I. The I'm Jenner, not sure Chris, you... uh, Chris Jenner is big, uh, big, big fan uh, or friends with uh, Jones family. So Chris Jenner's, um, I don't know if it's her husband um, or it could be her boyfriend. I don't know if they officially got married or not. He's a big Cowboys fan. He comes out to training camp. Ken, I know you've mm-hmm. seen him out there before. Mm-hmm. He was with Jerry at the end of the game down at the locker room. So. Maybe Kim was in their in their suite with them. I didn't see it. They just showed her on the big screen real quick, and uh, she wasn't seen by Charlotte or anything. Yeah, no, no, nothing like that. But um, uh, I was joking around with some other reporters. I'm like, can you just imagine all of everything that would be stirred up if like something came out that she was dating Dak Prescott? Because you'll get these. Yeah, because you'll get these things. Like I'll get these emails from these random companies that they have different odds on things. Like they'll have like they'll send me odds on. Oh, hey, this might be an interesting story. Uh, KT and I talked about this. Uh, who was the next uh, girl that Tom Brady will be dating? And it'll have like the odds with uh, Taylor Swift was like the top person. Sure. Well, they've they've done they've sent me some stuff like that before with Kim Kardashian after her and uh, Pete Davidson he, broke up, and it had several different pro athletes. Like, if it was a pro athlete, who would it be? And Dak was pretty high on there. And I was thinking when I when they showed her on the big screen, I'm like. You know how much controversy would come with that on top of it? I don't think like Dak much, would. Yeah, Dak wouldn't. Put, I don't know. I don't, no, I don't, I don't either. Think I don't Dak either. would want to be in that spotlight. I don't either. I don't either. But, you know, it's just one of those things. And because, you know, there's some people that still cover the team that were covering it when she was dating Miles Austin, you know. Were you working with the team then, Kent? I don't know if you were or not. That was right at the. He was. They were. He played at, for us one more year, I think, actually. Yeah. Okay. But they weren't dating anymore. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I but, just remember uh, I when know. when you got Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson pre social right. media days and everything and like right. and the way that was my God right so all that drama on top of it because Jack likes Selena Gomez he's put that out there a lot of times I think that's I'm just his, saying I'm goal. just saying it's one of those things and then you got to deal with everything that Kanye is tweeting you know and, and <laughs> yeah. all that stuff like that so 
Uh, no, uh, and then uh, Magic Johnson, obviously, he always he comes to a lot of games here. We so they showed him on the big screen. Didn't see LeBron. Um, uh, this you guys will enjoy this one. Uh, so right before we start recording the pod, I'm sitting there going through some uh, stuff, tweeting out some quotes real quick, and uh, look down, and, and most of the you know people have left, but there's a small group of people that are around this one suite, and they're tossing up hats and jerseys to be signed cowboy stuff uh zeke jerseys and such and so i'm like oh maybe maybe jerry just went back to his suite after after the game was over well i go and get my binoculars and jerry's nowhere to be seen and people and when i say this i'm talking at least 30 cowboys fans are throwing hats shirts and jerseys for jerry's three grandson grandchildren to sign shibo Shibo was in there, yes. And so <laughs> Well, they'll be uh, running the team in like 20 years. So yeah, well, sure, it's sure, good but foresight. I'm just and and hey, and, we, and, and, and we're and hey, we're 32 minutes into this thing, 33 minutes in, and we didn't even talk about and I know we should just take it as no big deal. It happens all the time, but there were a lot of Cowboys fans in that building. I was gonna I mean, ask, it was yeah. so you loud. You can tell it was, on TV. Yeah. You can that, hear what, yeah. what were they chanting at the end? Uh I'm not sure. They were they were they were chanting yeah, like I think it was beat LA. Like beat LA. Oh, okay. I think it was beat LA. I'm not yeah. sure. That's a weird yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that was man, always that was the beat LA is the go to uh, during the Lakers heyday. You know, with okay. Magic Showtime Lakers, that was always what you know the Pistons fans if they were in Detroit or the Celtics fans in Boston would always they would put on the big screen like everyone chant beat LA because you know they were like the it team there for over a decade, you know? So, but, uh, that's probably what they were saying, but I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Cowboys fans were like 70, 30, but it was at least 50, 50. I mean, when either team had the ball, you know, you could, the crowd, it was, it was hard to tell who had more fans. I mean, it was almost, okay. you could see almost both teams having to go do a little bit of a silent count. And, and as you saw early in the game, the Rams went to it right away and the Rams have been working on a silent count in practice for their home game. So it's not new for them. That's what Aaron Andrews' opening, you know, quick hit was before the game when they sent it down there. Was basically talking about Stafford, talking about they might have to work on a silent count and things like right. that, and they'd run into issues in the San Francisco game, right? And it continues, and it will always be a thing there, probably. To be honest, so it yeah. is good to know that there are a couple stadiums that you're like basically have the home field advantage. Uh, let's just uh, go ahead and wrap it up then, and we'll meet up uh, later in the week and get ready for uh, Philadelphia because it's it's about to be Eagles week. Um, yeah, so real, you have, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, real quick, just uh, just wanted to point out three things from the game. <laughs> just just want to point out three things from the game real quick. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Do you know how to ram it? Just ram it. Come on, John. Give us a little move before you go. No. So just no. ram it to Come on. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Sod. Okay, Sod. Three thoughts. <laughs> okay. Uh, three three plays that I just wanted to point out real quick that I felt were necessary. One, I think the number one, the really important play was Michael Gallup's 27-yard catch on third and 16. Incredible yeah. catch. Led oh, to a yeah. field goal. Bumped yeah. that six-point six lead up to a nine-point lead. Um, gave me shades of Terrence Williams in 2014. That was the first thing that came to my mind, but... That was a really hey, big play. First thing that came to my mind, I, and I said it out loud, I go, no fucking way he caught that. And then you like look over at, at the screen. I was like, they're showing like the replays in the big bar. I'm like, no, he caught that for sure. Well, yeah, that was that was really big. Obviously, Tony Pollard's <laughs> long run. 
Um, Tony Pollard's long run was really big, but also like the the play that Cooper Rush got absolutely nailed. Tony Pollard whiffed on a block real bad, so you kind of it was mo- it was mostly it was mostly good stuff. But what from Tony Pollard? But you also had you know you kind of saw that, and then uh, and then the third play for me that stood out was when Michael was already hurt in the second half when he pressured Matt Stafford on third down when he had a wide open receiver on a crossing route and Micah's pressure he didn't get home it wasn't a sack or anything but that was just a gigantic play in the fourth quarter um so I just want to point out those three plays that I thought were really big sorry about that KT with the f-bomb uh, there were a lot of f- <laughs> there were a lot of f-bombs flying in the locker room after the game uh uh Zeke you Zeke said fuck him uh when he was specifically asked about uh the uh people who believe that Dak shouldn't get the job back uh when he when he's healthy and and talking about uh the critics and things like that and he basically said i tweeted it out um about how he's like well we're the cowboys we have a lot of people that are always you know trying to i guess hate or whatever and then that's when he dropped that one and then um demarcus lawrence did one too when he was asked about the point spread thing and uh i tweeted out that quote about how he said how when he sees lines like that going into games like this and these matchups that he's preparing for all week, he, those are times where he wishes he could kind of uh, go to Vegas and put some money on the games too. Obviously players can't bet on games, but uh, I don't know. It sounded like they were pretty confident in that Cowboys locker room uh, going into this game when they saw that they were five and a half point dogs. Well, that was Tom Rinaldi's opening said, they're piece. They're no underdogs. That was Dan. No, they're nobody's underdog from Tom Rinaldi. <laughs> uh, another play though, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Cooper Rush holding on to the ball when Jalen Ramsey got yeah. it clean from the backside. I yeah. mean, that was it reminded me of the Jeff Heath Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers play yeah. in twenty sixteen or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you fumble there, they scoop and score, or maybe they fall on it, and the momentum completely turns. I mean, who knows? I mean, just a little thing like that. It makes me think Cooper Rush has big hands. I don't know if that's been measured before. Uh, but Does Rodgers? Yeah, he does. Okay. But you know. It's not like Jared Goff was a guy who would fumble a lot with the small hands. But, you know, the ball did kind of like come out a little bit, it looked like. But it's kind of, you know, enough to keep it close. But that could have been huge. So, a lot of things. Cowboys win 22-10. We will be back later in the week. We got to get you ready for the 4-1 Dallas Cowboys and the 5-0 NFC East division leading Philadelphia Eagles. I can't believe the Giants are 4-1 either. What in the world? Um (laughs) For Saad Yosef covering the Dallas Stars as well, make sure you follow him as we get ready. When's the season start, Saad? Season starts Thursday. on Thursday. Got a big story drop in Monday morning. So, All right. Yeah. We'll watch it out for that. For our producer, Kent Garrison, and for Father John Machoda, live at SoFi Stadium in L.A., I'm KT. We'll be back later in the week on About Them Cowboys. See, if you ram it just right, you can ram it all night. <laughs> <laughs>